Oh, Lord. Again. A fucking again. Nothing new. Nothing changed. Same old shit. Same old fucking shit. Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Let The Stands. You are here today with your host Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Chopper. And we have a full house today. I missed the trio. I missed everyone being together and everything. So I'm glad we're all back together. Um, but we had great like individual episodes um, for the last two weeks, but we're back now. Um, Nick, Chopper, how are you doing? Um, I'm good. I kind of feel like um, I haven't had time to kind of sit with myself just because there's been a lot of like back-to-back projects that I'm working on um but they're going well and I'm getting through the week because I just kind of get need to get through next week and a bit of the week after and then I'm just going to take a big break because yeah (laughs) I kind of need it but obviously I'll be on the podcast and stuff but like in terms of just outside of that just yeah mentally just need to get back to myself <laughs> um, yeah and think yeah just center myself and like all of that so yeah i'm good because the projects are going well which i'm really excited about um but yeah mentally i just haven't had time to like assess where i'm at like and just sit with my yeah. per- sit with me as a person but it's cool um yeah like the weather's changing which is changing my mood sadly but i think i'm gonna buy a sad lamp which will hopefully help with that um, before things get too chaotic. Um, What's that? Um, so it's seasonal um, affective disorder. Um, it's like a lamp that kind of gives you your daily sunlight equivalent. Oh, um, okay. So, and like helps you with like, I think it gives vitamin D and stuff like that, but I still take vitamin D tablets regardless. Um, but oh, wow. Yeah, it's, you can get them from John Lewis, you can get it from Amazon, but I did, like there was actually a tweet I did that went viral before, which said, oh, like, something about the weather changing and us working from home and a lot of people were like yeah get a sad lamp and I was like yeah yeah, yeah I'm definitely gonna get a sad lamp so um I've been thinking about it since last winter but I just never got it last winter but now we're working from home I def and not being outside as much this winter for sure yeah. um I'm definitely gonna invest in one um in the next couple of days like just have a look on Amazon like which ones are the best and stuff like that but yeah sorry long detour um no I'm man, I mean, look at technology <laughs> doing the damn thing like technology's doing well man yeah but yeah go on yeah in summary for listeners i'm coping and i'm excited for the show because yeah we're all back yeah we're all good and shoppe how are you doing today do you know, get enough of that last week y- yes but it's a new week shoppe how are you this week today this sunday i'm joking the 26th, the 26th of september and it's actually saturday but um oh, it actually is my bad sorry but yeah, no, um, I am overall well. To echo uh, Nicholas's statements, I also feel like just a lot is going on right now. And I feel like a lot's going to be going on these next few weeks. And I too feel like I haven't really had uh, enough time to really have to myself and be alone. And I understand, like, I guess it's somewhat a blessing to be busy during this time because you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs and stuff. But I just feel like a lot's going on with this and potentially in side hustle land and yeah it's just like not that it's overwhelming but i feel like it's i just feel like the next few weeks next week especially uh, is just going to be very packed and um 
Mm. Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of even affected, like even how I've listened to music the last week. I don't really feel like I've. We'll, we'll get into that in a sec, but uh, yeah, that is I capitalism. I'm just okay. Ready for the day where I don't have to do this anymore. Okay, cool. Um, that's aspirational. Um, for me, it's been a fairly busy week. Um, and I think that's something I saw echoed across nearly everyone I was speaking to this week seemed to be very busy for a lot of people. And as Nick and Shop have just said, they've been busy too. Um, for me, I'm just trying to like find the right balance with work. Um, and like side hustles, like Shopee said, like the podcast, for example, and everything else that I'm doing outside of this as well, like, um, UX and UI design. It, it is a lot. Um, and I, I said to Chope on a kind of private note that I think this like last week was going to be the last week we didn't speak about COVID and everything that's going on um, because the, it, the kind of trend was telling me there was going to be more conversation about what's going on and everything. And as predicted, we are talking about it more. We're kind of thinking about the winter months and everything, but we're not there yet. We're here now and um, we were worried about furlough and everything ending and it seems like I think there's going to be an extension of some sort as a result there's a new scheme um, starting in November yeah so that's good news that's good news and it means that we'll be able to push forward a bit more looking to the future with a little bit more of an optimistic outlook um, so I'm living I'm here in the present right now feeling right like really good feeling really happy um, and just thinking about what I'm going to do today um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and with COVID and stresses and stuff like that. So other than that, I'm all good. All good. Cool. So let's get into the music section. So not Shopee, do your thing, mum. Um, yeah. So another week of listens. So as I kind of hinted earlier, I don't really feel like I've really taken in anything. I mean, I've, I've, I'm always listening to stuff, but I feel like in terms of new stuff, I haven't really been focused enough to really uh, appreciate anything so that unfortunately has affected one of my long-standing faves duran Bernard. so as you didn't mention last week he dropped his latest album dirt eight last week and um you know it's durand durand yeah it's the and symbol oh that's how you, so the album's called durand yeah dur and then the and symbol oh whoops whatever but it's all right, don't worry. But um, yeah, no. So um, I've listened to the album, and but I can't really say that I can't really give an opinion because I kind of feel like I wasn't really focused when listening to it. So, but I do like I do like it. Like I know from what I've heard, I was like, oh, this is another good project. Um, I really like the song Passport with Anna Wise. I like the song called Summons. I like the duet of Ari Lennox, but can't really say too much. But I do like it. Um, it's a nice uh. Um, which doesn't surprise me. Like I've said before, like a lot of people need to check out his music rather than just his, his covers. Like his last project, Soundcheck, was really good. His other project called Blame on the Mango was really good. So this doesn't surprise me, but hopefully over the coming weeks and days, I'll be able to really make myself home with it. But as of now, it's cool, but I can't really give you too much detail about it, but I like it. And then um, next up, so... I, I finally delved a bit into this Devin Morrison young man, um, which Eden has been on my case for a long time to check out. And I understand why, like, from what I've heard, it's definitely, like, up my street. And um, what I like about him, what I can say at this, uh, I guess, early stage in me getting into him, that uh, there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, as Nick says, people relying on the bedrocks of night is R&B, you know, which is true. But what I like about him is that he's clearly inspired by that era, but 
Yeah, like it's literally like his own original spin on it. So like it actually sounds like music that could have come out rather than it being like, I guess, a tribute or a homage to. It just sounds like this could have authentically been something that came out in the late 90s or early 2000s. Like the song Bussin, like mm. that is Jodeci all over. That is Devante Swing all over. Like I could mm. literally hear that song on the Diary of a Mad Band. That's Jodeci's second album. I, that song literally could fit perfectly on that album. And I'm just like, wow, and this came out, what, 2018 or whatever? And um, you also like reminds me of like uh, a lot of our underrated male singers, so, like you know Glenn Lewis and Mario and Case, and um, like that, and like, but it's also quite contemporary too. So that's what I like about him. So like, he's not just like you know sampling and sampling like some of our other friends out there. Um, but like, it's clearly inspired, but if it's like feels more genuine, it doesn't feel like a, ugh, another rehash, another you know shout out to Summer Walker. Um, sorry, Winter Runner. Um, so um, yeah, that's so I like him. I feel like I'm definitely gonna need to get him, into him a bit more. And then lastly, uh, so I had a vinyl session with my friend, a very good friend of mine, last Friday, and uh, he introduced me to this band and this song. So it's a jazz fusion group called Pieces of a Dream. I'd never heard of them prior to this, and I'm surprised he has too because they're very uh obscure group like they weren't a massive success or anything like that but my friend is very like he has this uh well he's, he's an uncle like me also but he's very 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 knowledgeable about these random 70s and 80s acts that had like one hit back in 1977 like just these random ass people but they're amazing so he showed me this one album called Pieces of Dreams, so it's a self-titled album. And there's a song on there called Warm Weather, which I've particularly, I've played that probably like every day this week. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal song. And it just kind of really just shows, and I know it sounds cliche to say, but I just do feel like, you know, music was better back then. <laughs> music was better back then. And like the woman singing on this track, I don't know her name, I think her name is Barbara Walker. Like her voice is just, it's just her tone is just so... I remember hearing it, I was like, who is this woman singing? It was just, I just like her phrasing, her, she's a stylist, like, so she's just really, really, really great. And this is a great album. So yeah, that's Pieces of a Dream by Pieces of a Dream, but the song I'm referring to is called Warm Weather. And uh, yeah, that is I, Nicholas Eden. Um, so I'll go next, because I've only got one. So I've been listening a lot to Ravina or Ravina. Um, and most of you might know this artist, you might not, but um, she is an American singer and songwriter and she has three projects so far. So um, two EPs and an album. And the listen I'm bringing today is the album. So it's Lucid, which came out in 2019. She has since released an EP in 2020. I can't remember the month, but um, it's called Moonstone, um, which I'm yet to check out. But Lucid for me is a very soothing kind of you can tell it's inspired by the likes of Kareen Bailey Ray and a few other kind of um, soothing R&B folk, I'll say. Um, and this album for me is something that I can meditate to. It's quite chilling, not chilling, it's quite chi It's quite relaxing is the word I want to use. Um, and the very first song on it is called Hypnosis. And I think that's a very suiting um, introduction to the album because the whole album is like a trance. It's like sitting there with different waves and um, like being able to just sit there with your thoughts and enjoy the music. 
I don't know if you guys have heard of a singing bowl before, but it's this meditation like device that people use. I've got one as well. And basically you ring it and it affects your mood. Um, some It's hard to explain, but it affects your mood and what's happening. So it affects your mood and what's happening. Um, and this album reminds me of that. It's the way that like sounds are used as kind of medicine. So yeah, the album just reminds me of like meditation tones and um, kind of just soothes me and allows me to sit there with the music. So my favorite songs in the album are like Nectar, um, Hypnosis, also Mama. Um, the interlude where she like interviews her her nanny is what she calls her is really, really nice as well. It's, it's about like living in every moment and everything. And it's just a really positive album. So if you're looking for positive sounds and something that you can just kind of soothe away in your room to, I would say listen to Ravina Lucid and let us know what you think at Dats Pod. So D-A-T-S-P-O-D. That's Twitter, Instagram, Vero. Find us anywhere and just let us know. Cool. And that's all I've got today. Cool. I'm going to keep it really short and sweet because like Shoppe said, in terms of listening and consumption of music this week, it's been chaotic. So I'm actually going to give you something from what I listened to when I was off. Um, so last weekend, um, I've got two reads, um, two reads, two artists, because I read an article based on the new acts in New York who are doing stuff. They have, they're not really new, but in terms of bubbling now. Um, and it was written by Shamira, forgot her last name, but I love her, such a great writer. It's in Vulture. Um, I will try and get Shopee to put the article in the copy um, so you can reference it. But um, the first artist I'm gonna shout out is J.I. the Prince of New York, and he has been around for a while. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to shout out one particular song. I'm going to shout out a few, um, just which will demonstrate the skills I'm about to kind of say. Um, so I'll shout out Painless 2 featuring Little Dirk. Um, I will also shout out Hood Scars 2, um, which I believe features a little TJ. Um, and Proud of Me, I will shout out as well. Now, um, disclaimer, I'm really trying to do the research behind this guy to find out if he has any Afro-Latina in him because he uses the M word a lot in the songs. And if I find out that he's not black, I will probably stop listening to him, but we will confirm in future episodes. But in terms of what he is doing, the skill set I will shout out at this point is that I think and believe that he kind of has a Drake strategy in terms of that he can kind of sing a lot and he can rap. Um, not necessarily sing to the best of degree, just like Drake, you know. But the thing is, it works in terms of how it provides a melody to his raps and the fact that he doesn't have to always get singers on board, which tends to be the strategy that rappers do if they want that kind of melodic edge or they want kind of um, a singing touch to the foundations of their tracks. I just love that he's able to do both. And the thing is, he came from a show which another rapper who I've spoken about, Lao, came from, which is called The Rap Game by Jermaine Dupri. Um, and he was in a different season to her. And I re immediately remember him having such a kind of um, street rap um battle rap kind of approach to the mic when he was like 16 15 years old when he was on the show but seeing him three to four to five years later I want to say in 2020 
I think he's found his formula and he is now signed to um, Interscope, I believe, and he's doing incredible things in terms of his trajectory. And he, I think he had a billboard um, entry this year as well. So like he's doing incredible things, he's growing. And I think that regardless of, even if I stop listening to him, because if I find out he's not Afro-Latino and using the M word, um, I still can shout out that he's got these kind of skills and sensibilities um, in his approach that make him a distinctive kind of rapper in 2020. Um, and someone that cares about the craft and kind of the lyricism, it's still all very much there and he's very talented. Um, I won't, won't take that away from him, but that was something I heard very early on last weekend. Um, and I just kind of was like, Shamira was right, you know, he's doing incredible things and he's he's actually been through artist development, you know? So that is J.I. The Prince of New York. And then the next person I want to speak about is from that same article as well. It's one particular song. His name is Slater. Now he does complete kind of street rap. Um, again, I believe he is a um, Latin American living in New York. But um, again, he's just great. Like, and this song is called Up The Score. It, it features Maxo Cream. Um, who I've spoken about on the podcast before really really enjoy what Maxo Cream has to offer in terms of just adding the southern um, touches to the sound of New York like it's really exciting to hear someone from a different region and it just highlights the regional distinctions in the United States and how far they've come there was a time when obviously regions were in like literal warfare with each other with guns and stuff and in 2020 we can kind of say that it's like collaborations of this kind happen every single day every single moment in the studio right now are rappers from all across the united states rapping across each other's records and um just providing different sounds to these records so i really love this song because slater is a person that kind of again like j.i ranged true to the old bedrocks of um new york rap but again he updates the sound and makes it sound contemporary and quite current so i really love what he's adding to the palette adding to the source adding to the concoction of new york rap in 2020 and i think there's so many different sounds in the region coming right now so i'm super 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 excited for what is to come for both his both careers um and i think that you know slater's the wider tape that this song sits on because i listened to it as well it's called world got me fucked up volume one um it's cool like it speaks about police brutality it speaks about um latin american issues as well from the region it speaks about um just coming from new york and like the new york gentrification um speaks about like deep introspection and self-worth as well like who gonna love you it's the fifth track on the song um fifth track on the project and it's just really a track that highlights his lyrical pen as well like and how he can convey his feelings um but in that typical battle rap kind of style so yeah that is those are my two suggestions i would suggest the wider tape so well got me fucked up volume one um and j.i the prince of new york all the songs i mentioned before playlist two feature a little dirk um hood scars and proud of me in particular definitely some songs to check out um i will if i remember hopefully um update you on the background behind j.i the prince of new york because yeah but we will move on because all of us were very quick 
in what we were listening to this week we'll move into the news there are some very interesting news items on the agenda for today starting with um the uk which i love when we start over here because so much is bubbling in this region right now um with rappers this year like so many rappers are winning it's it's incredible just to kind of see and yeah this this kind of news item is really interesting so if you don't remember i will contextualize there was a um tv station called channel u then got changed to channel aka um in subsequent years but um it used to showcase and kind of be the foundation for grime as a genre which started really started to take off in the mid to uh, mid naughty sorry um and yeah channel u kind of aided that kind of progression it was kind of like what mtv base was for r&b and hip-hop um in the uk but for grime and a lot of our quintessential grime forces dizzy skepta wiley etc um kano all of them went through that station um and had their tracks played so channel u um is returning it's returning um it stopped broadcasting initially in two years ago 2018 but it's going to return in november was about to say next month but we're not quite in october yet but um yeah it's returning in november according to bbc um who reported the kind of case it will play a selection of old school grime videos and classic shows as well as the first ever grime movie and soundtrack against all odds um, exploring the rise of grime in the UK. So Against All Odds is a film which will document grime and what happened in the whole rise of grime. And yeah, it's going to be a game changer. Like so many things are happening with grime. Um, GRM Daily are releasing a documentary on the 28th um, of September. So that's Monday, uh, which will document grime and grm daily as a platform in tandem and in the film yeah this this film against all odds which is a completely separate project i believe link up tv are involved with it as well as well as motown records uk um but a lot is going on and yeah part of the rollout is channel U coming back to our stations like it's, it's crazy so yeah i want to get eden shoppe's thoughts on this um yeah before sharing my thoughts um I'll go first because I'm sure Eden has extensive thoughts on this. Um, so, what? I, I would imagine you do. I didn't say there was an issue. Oh, okay. Um, so, first, <laughs> so firstly, I would like to say that I think this is a, 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 a amazing decision. It's very timely. It's very relevant. It's like literally perfect now, especially with the way uh, grime and UK hip hop and UK rap at large is such a integral part of british music today now not even just british black music like uh the influence of all these artists now is so pervasive like and it is just kind of mad to see a channel that i grew up on return because i remember being in in primary school and secondary school and seeing so many artists who are big now seeing them in their early years without record labels without budgets without stylists just seeing them in their raw raw form like they're raw telling these raw poorly produced songs from LimeWire and you know the the age of the rhythms like you know you had you know you had the Looney Tunes rhythm you had Windows rhythm you know all the and I remember even just the culture like in secondary school and everyone thought they they could rap and everyone thought they could be an MC some realized sooner than later that they were not they were not um worthy um 
So I, I'm really excited about this. Um, I would, I do say that I don't know if it had to be a, a movie to come back with. I feel a documentary probably would have been better because I, I thought that's what I thought. I thought it was a documentary, but I actually saw so it's actually like a, a film scripted movie, and some of the artists like DWE and Gets, I believe, are playing themselves and Jammer, and I'm just like. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. I felt it would have been much more advantageous and way more, especially this is PR me talking now. I feel like it would have been way more, uh, it would have been a better look and uh, it would have made more sense to do a documentary because I feel that even though GRM Daily, you know, they've obviously, you know, made a lot of headway. Channel U predates, you know, SBTV and Link Up. And I really want them to position themselves as the, originators of really uh publicizing and you know putting forth on, on such a grand scale these artists which we know and love today and even the ones that you know have even fallen off and aren't with us anymore like you know shout out to the official bomb squad you guys were dope <laughs> throwback <laughs> youtube if you guys remember them um yeah, I think that's it for me. Also, just one last thing. SPTV, like, where is the legacy? Where is the legacy stuff? Like, you know, Link Up and Grime Daily are doing things. Chinese, like, SPTV, like, I feel like they haven't really done what's needed to really uphold their legacy. But anyway, that's me. Um, I think this is um great. I won't be watching the movie, but um, I think I think this is really, really, really good stuff. And I just hope that in the same way that I hope that we can now see a proliferation of new grime MCs and new rap MCs come through and, you know, kind of fast track them to being, you know, well-known because like, as Nick said, there are just so many, so many dope artists now who are starting to come through and make, and make waves. Like uh, we, we mentioned like past Lou of in the last season, you know, we have people like novelists now and millions and Samwise and, you know, there's so many dope art, A2, there's so many dope artists right now that, you know, I think will benefit from something like this. So I'm really happy about this. Eden. Um, yeah, I think this is really cool. Like I watched Channel U as well. Um, it was something that I went to to kind of see people who looked like me. Um, although like on MTV, there were like black people and stuff. It was nice seeing people kind of doing their own thing in like the grime era and everything. And with regards to what you're saying about SBTV, Chope, um, I completely agree. And I, I know in the group chats, I've been asking like, what is SBTV doing? Like, what are they working on? Why aren't they posting videos and all of these things? They still things? do post videos, you and know. I, they still post videos. They are what, posting. But not as frequently. It's like one every like day and then like one every week or like whatever. Like, it's not that frequent as it was before. Before you had like the A64 series, the F64 series. You had interviews with um Aaron, can't remember his name, the presenter. Aaron Bridgman. Yeah. Bridgman something. That's it. But now they've just stopped completely. But I think it's because... Um, Jamal is looking into creating a new app um, called Eight Bars, I think it is, and it's like a TikTok-focused app where um, rappers go on there and they spit eight bars, and then they get voted on who's the best in their area. Um, so he's working on that at the moment, and it looks like a really good idea, especially for the TikTok generation as well, and like the drill era as well. So I'm intrigued to see the next steps of SBTV. Um, I don't know if Jamal sold it or anything, but I'm intrigued to see what happens with regards to Channel U. I am I'm in love with the idea of it coming back because of what it stood for for our community the black british community but I do question if it's right to come back to television on like kind of a channel basis I don't know if this is something that um would have done better on an online platform like something um viewers would be able to tune into on 
maybe their phone or the internet or wherever. I don't know if it's the idea to come back to the same kind of format because the world has moved on so much since then. Um, I also don't know if we should expect the same kind of content um, with this new channel or the old revi revised channel. I think they're going to do it more official. They're going to have presenters and um, it's going to be completely different because it's, it can't be the same. Um, channel U was a site where... Um, just to just to clarify, it's it will just play a selection of old school grime videos and classic shows as well as the first ever grime movie and soundtrack against all odds. I feel like it might be a temporary thing. Uh, okay. I don't know if it's like, a it doesn't seem like it's evolving, like it's doing anything new. Just to clarify, because I might have not specified when I first read the article, okay. but that's something that's in the, the article. Just Okay, so I think what I'll do instead then is talk about what I would envision for Channel U if it decided to come back permanently. So if it did, yeah. I think that it should be something on a streaming channel um, and it should be reminiscent to something like 106 and Park, for example, where there are presenters and people that they interview and um, like odes to old videos and things that were created by the grime community, because that's something I feel like was really left out as the music scene kind of progressed. They started talking about artists like they were brand new and not really showing their old videos because they were poor quality or like they didn't have the financing behind them. But I think with Channel U, it's something that has the potential to actually reach maybe the um, kind of like millennial, like the late millennial generation um, who remember it. Um, but that's to say, like, if people are still into grime, because I know that recently H was talking about in an interview that went viral because we tweeted it from our account. Um, H said that if you speak to anyone his age, no one's listening to grime. No one's interacting with grime. It's something that um, all the old heads kind of talk about. And from speaking to people who are younger than me, it's true. I don't know anyone who listens to grime. I don't know anyone who interacts with it. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what happens. Like if it is temporary, that's fine. I think people are really going to enjoy that. Um, but I do hope for those types of channels to come back, like um, channels that were made for us and then helped build some of the talent in this country and then suddenly disappeared. I always question what happened to them. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about this channel. You news. Um, what about you, Nick? Um, I feel like you guys pretty much covered it. Like um, it's dope that documentation of some form is happening or like um, retelling. However, that kind of unpacks itself mm -hmm. we have the grm daily documentary on monday which i've watched part one of um jamal is in there talking about sbtv and stuff so it's dope i think that you know it's cool that everyone's starting to come together and not kind of just be like our platform did this like kind of without context and stuff i think it's really cool to kind of tell the story of it as a whole because mm. i think everything happens so fast in the uk with grime um although it was slow to actually because it was the politics and the police and the forms and all of that kind of stuff there was a time to do it but once it started mm. to kick off it went really fast you know platforms came one after the other um sbtv then grm link up all came at a similar time obviously there's one two three in terms of ordering but you know pretty much similar offerings and stuff like that so i'm glad that you know it, grime the lights seem to be turned on in terms of actually telling the story of it and just highlighting the importance obviously on the rated awards this year we saw people like kano get their flowers um i think it and dizzy and it, it you know it's just it's really that time when 
we're looking back now and I'm glad that you know all of the fears a couple of years ago about documentation and stuff are to some degree starting to be silenced and starting to come with solutions and there's books on mm. the way like from certain people as well which will tell the story it's it's definitely a time where we will we will archive this correctly now it's it's hard because we we made the mistake in the 90s which is why people still don't know that there was UK rap and then there was grime and stuff like that and then there was hip-hop there was there was actually a British rap lane rap originating genres as well so it's cool that we've learned from our mistakes now Mm. or are learning from the mistakes there's oral history going on trying to get the legacy of it you know even if we think about GRM when they got off YouTube that was 2,000 clips lost it's unfortunate so um you know like now we're trying to reclaim as much as possible and and really just tell these legacies and these stories because these are legacies like regardless of you know how DIY it was on channel U in the beginning I think we are um in a place where it was so special Mm -hmm. and it was you know if we think about grime it's come from so many different genres and you know has so many different lenses and so many different influences I just hope that that story is told too you know like where these genres originated from and the the lineage between other genres and you know like just really telling the story perfected um and in a succinct way as possible because you know again I hate to compare like to my cousins brothers and sisters whatever but like we just have a bit more of a together history um and you even get ridiculed if you don't know the history you know by the ebros and stuff like that in terms of like hip-hop history in the u.s and stuff like that so i just hope that grime has um again in a different way but i just hope we have our own history built up mm-hmm. um by this mm. time in 10 years we can look back and be like wow we've we've got the shit now we've got all the mediums we've got the media forms got the articles got the books got the documentaries got the films um got got our little collection together you know people can go little kids can go to the library or the e-libraries or whatever we're doing in 10 years and look back and actually have a collection of choice you know by different people which don't have the same biases you know and can tell stories from different lenses and stuff like that so you know yeah I'm happy about this I can't not be and you know channel you if it's just a nostalgia piece it's a nostalgia piece yeah Um, I think with competing online like they can't compete where they I think if they were to come back on like a YouTube or whatever it's just it's kind of pointless we have GRM we have link up like it's just it's not gonna it's not gonna compete where it compares starting 10 years late you know but for channel you what it did with like the pirate radio they I'd put them together in a box um together Mm -hmm. all those two platforms or however many pirate radios there were back in the day there was loads back when I was a kid you know they they told the first stories of grime and and jungle and funky house and all of those kind of genres you know it's 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 really important and pirate radio culture not just here but in even the Caribbean and stuff like that like so important to how we tell stories you know and um, even no signal what they're doing today that's a modern iteration of that you know lineage will always exist you know lineage will always exist and they've even shouted themselves out saying pirate radio culture is what inspired this you know this DIY you know even with how recess was created Jojo's always said you know DIY culture all of that kind of stuff and that's what we do best in the UK you know start the DIY and then whatever the materials and money come together later you know but we we document in the ways that we we document so Mm -hmm. you know it's cool it's exciting I can't not be I can't 
be mad at this like who's who's mad at this you know what i mean like grime getting the flowers that it deserves um it's, it's super important it's super important and you know when jesse was on our show he said the same thing about documentation i just hope he's happy and like the people who really had to fight through this game without the, the tools are happy to kind of see this finally the budgets you know motown records uk is sponsoring this like it's it's, it's incredible you know so I'm excited and I hope all the artists involved, the Gets, the Jabbers, the DWEs, you know, um, and all the others are just super proud of themselves because they've done the damn thing, you know, and now we can look back and celebrate their careers and they can chill. They've done what they needed to do. Um, even though I know people are still releasing albums, Gets has got one on the way too. So, you know, we'll celebrate that as well. But yeah, that's what, that's, those are my thoughts. Those, yeah unless anyone has anything else to say we can we can move on no no you said it all man i think we all hit the point i think it's uh it's what i've always wanted you know i always say that these kids don't study like now education is now going to be able to be reaped as a result of this and we're now having multiple mediums where people can really look back and research so we now have the resurgence of this and you know there are plenty books that have been published on grime the last few years which i just i love that i love that because like you know as nick said compared to our our black American counterparts, we haven't really done the best of jobs at really uh, streamlining everything we've done. And I really want that to change now. Do you know what? I just think we were ignorant over here. I don't want to, it's, it's not even a blame game kind of situation. I just think it was ignorant. And like, again, how insidious institutionalized racism and like getting resources and stuff probably was over here. Um, it's, it's hard. It's hard to cut. There were probably like people, black people, because our our forefathers you know especially like just the black british community that came before us they 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 didn't just sit there you know like they were very political very engaged and stuff like that so i know that there were there were diy stuff going on in the 90s for sure i just think it was an ignorance to actually capture it and you know all of the kind of stuff like i see nostalgic images of notting hill carnival and stuff like that and like little clips from so people were doing stuff you know to try and do it i just think there wasn't hubs and homes and it was it lived in people's attics and like all those kind of things like tapes and all that kind of like that kind of culture but um i think now as shope said like people can do the work and like do the research and the thing is the evidence that we're learning from our lessons is already coming through of how we're documenting drill like didn't scully didn't scully just have a noisy documentary yes. you know yes. like all of this spotify are doing yes. some kind of job even though you know spotify we mm -hmm. have you know issues there but mm -hmm. like they are doing stuff to try and document it you know the face are doing stuff the quietest the quietest um, and consequence of sound exactly they both and have like drill columns journalists now. who have newsletters we have written form and we have audio form already and we have visual form grm just released a documentary in february about um drill as well so we're here it's here you know we're learning the lessons and we'll we'll, we'll have that that memory um in in different forms of media for different people to digest so we're great we're doing good you know the uk's learning and it's going incredibly well um but yeah um let me move on to item number two which is really light it's light hearted you know um i love this rapper i love both of these rappers um but yeah lupe fiasco um claims he's a better lyricist than kendrick lamar is our next news <laughs> item so um lupe fiasco claimed that he's a better lyricist than kendrick lamar in um, a series of tweets last week um 
and he replied to a fan account who asked who is the better lyricist of the two so you know the typical lineup who's the better one who's the better singer da, 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 da. so this was by uh the at is choice underscore rap and they call themselves the hip-hop pub you know is what it is but they said that who's the better lyricist put the two pictures side by side mm. um and fiasco who's quite active on social media when he gets into his bag he said in my own words um once again you bitches i love me some kendrick lamar um always have always will in response to like the <laughs> in response to the controversy in response to his tweet because he put he quote tweeted the choice raps tweet and said lupe but and then ellip dot 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 essentially um so yeah loads of controversy loads of engagement then he said i love me some k dot always have always will then he went on to say with that said do i think he's a good lyricist yes do i think he's the best lyricist no do i think it's do i think it's lyricists that are better than him um yes is he a better artist than me yes is he a better lyricist than me no does he make better songs than me yes so a quite well-rounded answer in my opinion um to the controversy and stuff and lupe is known to be very blunt very he just says that how it is in his mind you know so that's how he clarified his point um did i think control was ridicule no am i jealous of k dot no he continued did i personally give him his props in chicago on stage as the next nigga to take the crown yes in capital letters is it on camera yes documentation um and did i mean it yes after the series of tweets punch the head of kendrick's label now punch before i go on to say punch is shady okay if you follow punch and if you know about punch he's very shady when summer walker was being compared to scissor he did a couple of tweets when scissor was talking about getting her album out he did a couple of tweets when people asked about various members of tde's albums and the status of those he did some shady tweets and didn't respond to the direct tweets but he's in these twitter streets he's reading he's he's digesting and he's ready to kind of respond in his own way you know but if you watch you know he's watching um but he replied capital letters lol that's it that is the news item for today what do you guys think of this story um i'll go first because i don't have a lot to say on it but um i think it's nice i think it's exciting that like lupe can come out and say that he respects kendrick he thinks kendrick's great and everything he doesn't think he's the best like lyricist that's out at the moment um and all of these types of things, I think it's important that we have people who just speak their mind um, rather than just go over the flow and what everyone else thinks. I don't know whether I would say he's a better lyricist, but also I have to admit that in this area, I'm probably not that well um, like learned when it comes to Lupe. Like I've listened to his music before, but can I say I've like proper deeped his lyrics before no i haven't i've listened to kendrick more so i'm going to be a bit more biased and say like i think kendrick is a better lyricist but at the same time i i can't say for true that i've listened to a lot of lupe fiasco um but i can say whenever people do speak about lupe fiasco it's always he's an amazing lyricist um he's one of the best um like whenever a song comes out it's like Oh, when he said this, he, and he really meant that, and all of these types of things. So he's definitely revered as a lyricist, and people definitely respect his pen. So whether he's better than Kendrick, I don't know. And the fact that he doesn't really release music anymore, and there's a side-by-side -side image on Twitter in 2020 asking who's the better lyricist kind of speaks to his legacy. Um, so I'm intrigued. He doesn't release music anymore. Pardon me? What do you mean he doesn't release music anymore? As frequently as he did before. 
So his last project was... Uh, was like 2018. No, it's 2020. Yeah, with Talib Kweli. Yes. His last project was actually yeah. this... Yeah, this year. July. Did he put it out like this year? Yeah. Oh, didn't even know. Yeah. But I get what you mean. Like in the rap mainstream, mainstream landscape, he's not as... Um, yeah, but he doesn't put out music. Spoken That's about anymore. But his legacy's there. And let's remember that the labels, you know, there was a blackballing issue like back in his like lasers era. But, you know, I'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, continue. No, I was just going to say it speaks to his legacy that like he isn't as big as he once was. Um, and uh, Nick, like you said, you're going to speak about that. But the fact that people are still making comparisons means that there is an argument to that. Um so yeah, that, those are my thoughts. What do you think, Shopper? Um, so for me, I am I'm a Lupe fan. I do think musically he's kind of gone all over the place in the like the last ten years. But Food and Liquor and the Cool are are pretty incredible albums. So those who haven't heard those albums, I don't know if that includes you, Eden, but I highly recommend those. Which album? Food and Liquor and the Cool. So his first two projects. Uh, oh yeah, those, I would co-sign that. Yeah, those are, like, and you know, um, Lasers was okay, and then after that, he kind of just was. Actually, Food and Liquor Part Two actually was quite good. Actually, that was quite good. That came out like twenty eleven or something. And then after that, he's just kind of been. And I don't think I've listened to him since um twenty fifteen. I don't. I don't think I've heard like his last couple of projects because, yeah, he's just kind of meh to me. But his first two albums are undeniable, and. On to Eden's point. So me, like, you know, when I listen to rappers, if you're good, you're good. I don't really look at them like, oh, this person's a, a better lyricist, unless it's obvious. So obviously, like, for example, Lupe is a better lyricist than Future, because obviously. Um, <laughs> um, Lupe is a better lyricist than Young Miami, because obviously. Um, yeah. You know, Young Miami is awful. So... Um, <laughs> is it everyday shade? Like, is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> We're talking about lyricism, <laughs> lyricists. Yeah, but then you just throw in Young Miami for the sake yeah, of it. Yeah, because we're like, discussing skill. Like, what? <laughs> Listen, just continue your point, continue your so, point. So, when it comes to, like, you know, I love Lupe, I love Kendrick. Um, and I guess probably overall, I'm probably a bigger Kendrick fan because I, I love every Kendrick project. I can't say the same for Lupe, but I definitely would say I'm a Lupe fan. And his first two albums... Um, hold a special place in my heart like me and my brother love Lupe's first two albums so I don't I wouldn't really th- I wouldn't really actively think about who's the better lyricist because to me they're just both good lyricists so I and like so I'm not like as much of a hip-hop nerd as some of these um t- people on Twitter are to like break down lines and metaphors and punch lines and all that kind of stuff to me I'm just like Lupe can rap Kendrick can rap that's how I look at it so um, you know, there probably is an argument maybe on like a skill set, a lyrical set to maybe say that, but I wouldn't know. I just think Lupe's dope, Kendrick's dope. Um, and yeah, and I agree with Lupe's own point. Does he think he's about Kendrick thinks does he think Kendrick's a better artist? He said, Yeah, I think I do. So and I think that's fair, but all the while, um, I did just see some people once again, people not doing their research, people were acting like Lupe is a nobody and people disrespecting him. I was like, see, that's not what we're not gonna do. <laughs> it's like you can have your opinion and that's fine, but like don't play Lupe. <laughs> so that is me. That's my thoughts. Um, I think a lot of things get misconstrued online and like reading this article and just 
knowing Lupe, he always clarifies himself. Whether he's on the right side or the wrong side of history, he always does a thread. You know, it's always a thread. Or in his case, tweets, 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 because maybe he doesn't know how to do threads. But like, always a thread um, with Lupe. And that's what I appreciate about him. He's had some shit takes in the past, like <laughs> shit takes outside of music. But um, in terms of this opinion, I think it's a fair argument in, ter in terms of how he clarified himself. You know, Kendrick on an album basis has proven himself a bit more consistently. Now I'm very excited to see what Kendrick does next because, you know, he's done quite a lot, you know, in his 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 years in the game. So I'm very excited to see what he does next. But in terms of lyricism, I actually have never pitted those two against each other per se, um, even though they actually speak about a lot of very similar topic focuses. Um, but what I will say about Lupe is he's a lyricist. Like as the other two have said, he's a lyricist. Like no one can take that away from him. No one can deny that he's a lyricist through and through. He's a hip hop historian in terms of that skill set you know and that's what he came into the game doing he came in the game talking about topics when they weren't mainstream and weren't easy mm -hmm. to talk mm -hmm. about 100 okay the 1, whole industry hated him at one point in 2012 when lasers was released around that time and he was blackboard indirectly you know like atlantic records had didn't want anything to do with him there was no promotion there was it, it went quiet the lights went off for um lupe in terms of trying to get him a mainstream visibility because like michael jackson and prince he spoke about the woes of the music industry he spoke about labels and like being a slave to the systems and all this kind of stuff spoke about race issues very vocal with race issues got really political around the lasers um era in terms of like he just amped it up tenfold even though that the first two albums spoke about those topics as well but um i think with lupe he I will always respect Lupe, like in terms of like what he did and the sacrifice that he did, because he knew that he knew that he was fighting a system which at the time didn't want anything to really do with him. Um, and now like Kendrick Lamar, for example, artistry wise has no one talks about the context, like there's more freedom for him to do these elaborate kind mm -hmm. of campaigns. Mm -hmm. And let's talk, let's mm -hmm. talk about obviously the 90s where Nas had the same freedoms and you know, all of that, but it was more, it was it was more polarizing then you know and hip-hop was one thousand percent hip-hop was definitely a more misunderstood genre back then so they kept it in a pocket and in those pockets those artists could do what they wanted to do and then when the mainstream um if if we talk about ll cool j like for example when he went on mainstream platforms he had to censor himself because the beastie boys and all these issues there like there was politics there was politics in the 90s still to go through so it at when lupe kind of spoke about things there was still this hard brunt um kind of apprehension the fear of the genre in white spaces um and he fought again this is why atlantic records didn't want anything to do with him because he said f it and he kind of spoke about like he went really deep the depths of what prince and michael were talking about and that led to that led to you know an indirect or direct however you want to call it blackballing so in 2020 and since probably about 2015 i'm gonna say there was this whole black art it's great like you can talk about you know uh like this is america for example like that 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 the the, the realm for a this is america to come out and be a, the number one song um on the billboard hot 100 that was because things got 
lighter the load got lighter in terms of you could speak about that there's a reason why Beyonce can speak about the way she does in in the R&B and pop realm now as well um about like the politics there's a reason why she didn't speak as much towards the politics until now and I'm not saying that um she alone is being performative I'm not saying that but what I'm saying is that there's a cluster of artists in R&B pop and hip hop um Taylor Swift even go getting a bit more political and it's like Lupe didn't have that freedom and luxury just just a decade before you know so back to the original point I would say that I can't answer that question right now in terms of who's the better lyricist to what that original tweet um spoke about but what I will say is Lupe is a lyricist Kendrick Lamar's a lyricist um and Lupe deserves a lot more respect for what he helped to give to hip-hop which was the platform to speak openly and in such blunt ways um about the politics and injustice both inside the industry um label politics and outside of the industry in terms of racial stuff um uh, and racial climates so yeah um that's my opinion Can I ask a quick question um what would make someone a better lyricist than someone else like what would they need to do to be considered a better lyricist so let's think about english in terms of like literary devices so like maybe some people i've seen old hip hop platforms talk about metaphors some people have better metaphors um the articulation of your point um it's still subjective to an extent obviously cuz music's subjective um but in terms of like stuff like that that's where my mind would go to like literary kind of things do you have can you story tell better as well can you like paint the picture do i feel like i'm in that universe when i'm listening to a lupe song or a j there's a reason why you know j cole's called the storyteller more so out of the two of them like kendrick lamar's lyricist and j cole's like the storyteller because there's a better universe created to some people but it's still object um, it's funny you say that I actually think Kendrick is a better storyteller. Again, subjective, subjective. But if you look at what J. Cole's known for, it's the storytelling. If you actually look at what his legacy is, kind of what people say, the legacy is he's the storyteller. Even when we talk about Drake, um, Kendrick and J. Cole, people always tend to go or debate that he is, debate, yeah, debate that he is the better storyteller. And then Kendrick's the lyricist and then Drake is the all-encompassing pop star that merges the the singing and like kind of um, rap worlds. Though, though that's what people go to. That's fair. But that's those are the that's arguments fair. I've seen with hip hop conventionalists, you know? But again, as you said, Chope, some people I've seen argue as well, Kendrick might be the better storyteller, you know? And he might have grown yeah, in that, that realm was- as he's developed as an artist. Yeah. You know? Because when I think, when I look at, and, and I'm not saying J. Cole isn't a yeah. storyteller, but I, I have songs immediately that come to mind when I think about Kendrick telling a story, especially on that Untitled Unmastered album, mm, but mm. on his more, I guess, more well-known projects. Like, I think the art, I think the art of peer pressure is one of the best songs I've ever heard. I love heard. that song. I mm. think, I love that Sing About Me and Dying of Thirst. Mm. to me that's that's storytelling yeah. or even like um what's the there's a song on um people butterfly you like i think like that's a story you know mm. but you know well, both but, both albums like he released were conceptual albums weren't they so even good kid mad c was a whole story in itself he's become a conceptual it, artist now wait 
I can we not can we we can't forget the best song on Damn Duckworth. I'm like, Fred, <laughs> Kendrick tells yeah. a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. yeah, I think it's not it's not that he doesn't tell stories at all, because I think, you know, there's stories on each album. Like, do you know what I mean? If you think about every single album, there's stories. But um No, of course, I agree. Yeah, I think it's just people that's the arguments for the top three and why they're the top three or whatever of our of our generation, um, because of their each their their subsequent area of skill like that that's what but, people tried to say but of course with cole we, we can't you know forget mm. like even on a more hilarious tip like wet dreams is yeah. a great story mm-hmm. it's, it's such an engaging story to listen to as just a listener and then of course we can't forget about mixtape cole like you know friday oh night my lights, gosh like, yeah like that, friday night lights is a classic like no like, one can tell me like it's not it's a classic thank you exactly and even like you know even like his first album is a bit polarizing like i think sideline story mm. the song is like great storytelling on that it song is. yeah i love she knows you know land of snakes i'm like yes. let's not forget born yes. born sinner has, born sinner yes. has stories like yes. he was depressed in that time so he really like amped up the storytelling because wasn't he was going she, through it wasn't she knows on born sinner I said, said that. Yeah, born sin. Oh, okay. I just I jumped around. Time, no, 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 no. Oh, I was okay, just cool, jumping cool. around. But um, yeah. Well, like... I also just to add, I also think with J Cole, the re- the reason people kind of relate storytelling to J Cole is because it's his career. Like his career has been like a story in itself. Like the whole come up from coming from nothing to coming to what he is now. It's kind of embodied in him, and like him mm-hmm. associating himself with like the Simba narrative as well is something that people yeah, yeah. kind of think of when they think of J Cole, and also like the dollar and a dream is like his whole career mapped out. Really, like he's at the point where he's towards the dream part now. Um, so yeah, I think that's why. I think that's definitely why. Although I can think of so many Kendrick songs um, that I've heard that for me are literal stories. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. But I also just wanted to kind of understand mm-hmm. if there could be like a, a a classism side to it as well when it comes to lyricism. Like what makes like what makes someone a better lyricist than someone else? Is it the words they mean? use? Is it their vocabulary? Is it like like you said the metaphors that they use and everything? Um, are being treated to see like an article uh, or something. Oh, okay. There's def there's there's definitely an air of uh, elitism and classism. I think I do think of that. Well, there is like even if you look at let's look a bit more widely. Like there's the argument Andre G, like one of the best hip hop writers out right now. Like he made a point in terms of saying that like um in terms of when we get to calling rappers conscious mm. yes like there's a clock there's like a whole different distinction there and there's respectability politics there 1000 like percent. other artists and all that and like every rapper look at little baby and what he did this year like there you don't have like conscious rap doesn't look one way and we shouldn't you I, I feel like i'm again evolving and learning and unlearning i mm. think like just conscious rappers no, at time is just i agree so pathetic now. like it's just so pathetic like it really is so i think i agree with you eden like some hip-hop conventionalists will be won over by the big literary terms which may be used in the wrong context or might just be used for the sake of using it it's like when people write articles right like some people might try and sound smarter with the bigger terms and all of this 100 percent. you could have said you could have said your term in like yeah simple words and it would have said the same thing you know and i think also even going back to like these soundcloud rappers and obviously it's not really us like you know the generation below us like they're clearly resonating with like the trippy words and xx tentacions for a reason i love trippy I, lo- I fucking love trippy and the juice worlds like so even though it's not necessarily my kind of music and i i don't personally get it and Lil tracy and them niggas i don't personally get it but clearly <laughs> there's something shout out to coco son um clearly there's something in them 
but because it's not being dressed up in the same way that you know a common mm. or an Andre three thousand or a or a a, a Rakim because not like that let me tell you let me tell you about common common has benefited from this little yeah. conscious rap box he has Please don't benefit, come for common. and you he's lent into it no 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 we love <laughs> we, we, can, we can critique our faves man i can critique mary j blige listen but common has literally bet he lent into that he lent in even aesthetically, oh, like he listed <laughs> his whole career bet well the the early parts of his career and even now like he's lent into that little clean polish <laughs> i'm gonna be a conscious rapper like kind I of thing so like placements on tv <laughs> like da, 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 da. let me just see be seen in the church you know da, 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 da. like you know what i mean like he's lent into that bag yeah but in that in that era who didn't though he's based i can think of so many people no exactly exactly it's an aesthetic it's an it was an aesthetic like you can think of jill scott if you want to go there and not necessarily conscious rap but conscious music well she's um, there's so many different artists that I can think of who made conscious music and kind of dressed the part as well, whether it is intentionally or like a costume. <laughs> no, but Jill wasn't just conscious. That's the thing, but this is the thing about Jill. And that's a misconception about Jill. Jill, as much as we do look at her and Erica too, actually, as we look at them as like being like the, I guess the R&B Neil soul, like r- radical black women. There are a lot of, uh, mm. and they were, don't get me wrong. But mm, a lot of Jill mm. Scott's music is ratchet, but because it's it's like you wouldn't call it as such because of the production and her soulful singing and it's poetic. But Jill Scott, like, have we not heard "Getting in the Way"? She's thinking about fighting someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like she she wore that shit on her sleeve, and like she's very unabashed about her sexuality. And even going back to Erica Badu, like Eric, like this, um, looking at a song like "Booty" or looking at a song like "Real Thang," like Erica has and Jill have the like that argument is probably more adequate mm. to India Ree. Yeah, yeah, no, two. you're right. You are right. <laughs> than those two. Like, so don't get me wrong, Jill and Erica, they have their political songs for sure. They have them in abundance. But if you really mm. read the lyrics, but once again, because mm. the way they're packaged, <laughs> the way they're packaged, the way they look, their production, the way they uh, yeah, sing. That's what it and is. That's what they're it is. very and they're very outspoken about, you know, black rights, women, blah, 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 classism. You know, yeah. Erica, prison industrial complex. Like they're very outspoken about these things, as, as they should, which we love. But mm. that, if you listen to the lyrics, um, <laughs> like, espe- yeah. especially Jill, like, early Jill, like, Jill's from Philly, and the Philly came out <laughs> on loads of her early work. Oh, Philly, like, any artist that comes from Philly, like, I don't, I don't want no problems. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm very like, good. I don't if want you any hear, problems. like, exclusively, it's like, there's yep. so many songs. There's so many songs. But then, obviously, we, er- Eric Jill has like you know watching yeah. me and trying yeah things like but that. I think my point was more so like people put on a uniform when it comes to conscious rap even like I'm sorry Meek Mill is trying a thing right now and with... anti I too oh he is I, like he can he can it's quiet like it's very quiet he's trying something with this conscious rap. like I, I think I heard a snippet of a song where he was ta- he was trying to talk about like institutional racism and it just didn't make sense at all like it just didn't make it, I don't understand what he's trying he's, to do. He's becoming T.I. He just discovered what a thesaurus was. <laughs> well, he took um, a picture with um, 50 Laws of Attraction or something like that. No, he wants to be too, Jay-Z like, so bad. He, he, he's always talking about reading and investing in all these types. I'm just like, bro, this isn't, this isn't your personality. Like, you're great at doing things. If you're really doing the work, do it. But you don't have to pretend you're doing it for the gram or whatever you're doing. I just don't believe him as an individual. I just can't. I, I know this now. may sound really harsh, but I just can't <laughs> imagine personally Meek Mill at home reading a uh, <laughs> <Frank Fanon. laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> I can't imagine Meek Mill at home reading. Got me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> well, that too, but so, so, something like oh, a France Fanon or a you know, you know this, you know these radical literary I thinkers. Hope, I, well, I, don't thing know, is, I hope no. he is. Like, if he really mm. is reading, I hope he is really reading. At best, he's read a summary on Wikipedia. But no, I, I, let's, let's, let's be hopeful and optimistic. So I do hope that Meek Mill is, like, reading these books. And not even just to target him, but I'm seeing loads of rappers are trying to do the conscious thing a lot more. And some of them seem genuine. With Meek Mill, I don't know if prison may have changed him, or if, like, talking to Jay-Z may have changed him and all these types of things. But he does seem to come from like the black capitalist space, which makes me question if he's actually being genuine with his takes and his reads. And and he's in bed with Jay Z. <laughs> he's in bed with Jay Z. Like he's got that kind of radicalism through capitalism ideology. He loves Jay Z. He loves Jay Z, and he he acknowledges that all the time. So not to take so, so not to take the conversation much further because I know we're running out of time. But then, do you believe Jay Z's four four four? Then because that was quite a conscious album with what's happening with black people. The thing is, what do you think? There is, are errors. No, but that that was that four four was about him and his relationship. No, but there are some lessons. There are some the songs with lessons on there. It's not just that. Like, no, but of I course. think with Jay Z, what's of happened course. with Jay Z? Jay Z has the life experience, you know, and I think there is. Um, actually, Meek Mill has that as well. I can't even argue about it. But what I'm saying about Jay Z is, in terms of four four four. Yeah, there's always going to be a market. Just like with Beyonce, I said, I say the same mm. thing. There's a marketing strategy. There's a certain package, of course. But Jay-Z lived in an era where he mm. was called the big bad guy of hip hop. Like when he was coming up, he was hated by the media. You know, he's lived that whole Brooklyn experience. Like he's been a rapper who's seen it all. He's seen hip hop literally from the trenches of the the late nineties, you know, to the the glory states of where it is. And now. he's a black man. Who's there, seen there's it been from pre fame, and there's been peaks and there's been peaks and troughs. You know, he had the chance to invest in Barclays Stadium, didn't all of this kind of stuff. Like, there's been real big boy business decisions, and there's been depths of despair in gentrification that he's seen in Brooklyn and all sorts and all over New York. And yeah, of course, some of that is, um, he's going to lean into that and like try and make a package out of that. But at the end of the day, um, with Jay-Z, I've seen more, well, obviously some things are packaged up, but like I've seen more of him having trying and testing times in hip hop to then go full circle and speak about that. He's he's mentioned his influences with Jamaica multiple times, which is why I believe the songs that he had on 444 that kind of give a, te a testament to that. Um, of course, Jay-Z's black capitalism defined now in 2020, but some of the lessons on that album, I believe are genuine and his pen comes from a sincere place-ish um, when he's talking about the stuff that he came up on. But of course, it's going to look a certain way and it's going to be packaged up. Who knows what he wanted to sell? Didn't he partner with someone to try to promote that album and then another album he promoted with Samsung with? So like, of course, like he's, you know, yep. he's going to be a businessman at the bottom line of it. But yeah, there are some stories on there, I believe, you know, there are some stories on there that I believe no 1000% and even me like so ab above all Jay-Z's issues that we may have with him I'm a Jay-Z fan and when I did hear well actually I'm not going to say that I have an unpopular opinion about the 444 album which I won't say um, or maybe another day because I don't want to yeah but um, I remember listening to a lot of these songs and thinking like you know what there's some there's some good shit mm -hmm. you're saying like above you know above even though I may have my own issues with how you operate outside of your music there is some truth to what you're saying and you know we have to kind of give artists i guess people people that duality 
even Meek Mill has some truth. Like I hear, I love hearing him shout about his his experiences. Like some some of the songs, like yeah, Meek Mill, Meek Mill. You know, he has a lane. He well, he had a lane. You know, and I I appreciated some of that. You know, he's he's great when he's he's great. He's great when he's great. You know, the rare occasions that he is. You know, he's great when he's great. <laughs> but and I Dream Chasers. Come on, High School Me was loving that shit. Like come on. But um, yeah, Meek. Stop Mick the Mill stop the performances. Stop the performances. Has, and even his yeah. comeback album. That was that yeah, was a good comeback good. album, man. Championships. Like, yeah, good album. fucking good album. hell. Like I love. And that. dreams worth, dreams worth more than money was a good album as well. It was. Like, it had some. That was the Nicki era, but it was it no. Was it was album. good. Like <laughs> even Meek and Nicki's song. Like hey, that you know, like it can work. It can work. But <laughs> you know, but um, Meek, just stop the performances. We love you when you're genuine and loud and apolo- unapologetic. That's when I like Meek personally. I don't, you don't need to pretend to be someone you're not. It's absolutely fine to just be. You've you've had life experience as well, man. Like you've had so much experiences from your interviews and stuff that you've spoken about. So, wow, we've really gone on a tangent from Lupe but to hip hop is so huge. So we were always going to go on a tangent. Like hip hop is so huge. So it's it's a testament to how big it is. It's the you know it's, it's a great <laughs> genre. Um, but yeah, let's move on because fucking hell. Like I really ignored this topic because fucking hell, people just get really subjective and annoying but um okay rolling stone rolling stone september 22nd 2020 so um 500 greatest albums of all time according to rolling stone they released an updated list they originally did this in 2003 with a little bit of an update um in 2012 so eight years ago um yeah they for this they used 300, well, more than 300, actually, artists, producers, critics, and industry music figures from, like, radio programmers, label heads, like Atlantic Records CEO Craig Kalman. So there's going to be bias in there, of course, you know. But um, they came up with 500 albums. <laughs> I did not go through all of this list because I just did not have the time. All right, I, I'm I took actually a look doing at it right now. I'm not gonna lie, um, but I know that Drake. I know that Drake. You know, some, some albums of Drake. But to be honest, I feel like and there's he a should particular be in there. Drake album that I'm. Yeah, absolutely if you're reading confused. it, it's too late. If you're reading it, too late. Made made the why 500. is the hell um, <laughs> is that album in there? But I'm gonna we're, we're, we're gonna go to number one, which you know. Is back to Chopin said earlier, you know, uh, music was better back in the day. Um, so you know they didn't put a newish album to the top of the list. Um, it was you know Marvin Gaye starts to the top of the list. You know he's at the top of the list. Um, I'm trying to get the album. I'm trying to go. To it's what's going on. Thank you so much. What's going on? Hit number one. Uh, jay-z is in the top 50 as well there's you know there's a lot there's um the beastie boys i believe is at number three um john michelle blue number three sorry on this updated list on the older list it was number three but who's um, john michelle doing john mayer um no. you mean Joni mitchell blue sorry Joni mitchell blue this this list is crazy though but like 1971 this album was released and then number two um, is the Beach Boys Pet Sounds um, and then number one what Chopin just said Marvin Gaye what's going on so the 70s and 60s are represented quite well in this 
top five top 500 but drake if you're reading this too late Fuck no. i don't know the exact position but i think it's like top 300 um it's in that but um the likes of her are on this list beyonce taylor swift um Harry Styles, which I'll get to in a second. Yeah, I was just, I was literally about to say Harry Styles is on this list. Which Harry Styles album? Fine Line. Was it the one that recent, Fine Line? Fine Line. So so the one that just came out. (laughs) Okay, but if we're going to say Drake's on this this list, if you're reading it's too late, I'm not (laughs) Harry Styles. If if, if that's the caliber... And I and I love Fine Line. Okay, Harry album. was in his bag. That is a hot take. So, but like anyway, it's a great album and it's dominating pop this year. So I'm happy for him. But this, if it's on the latter half of the 500, you know, Drake's. If you're reading this too late, it's top 300. And if it's, in, so, I'm sorry, that yeah. album should not be in any list ever. Wait, in life. what? If you're reading it's too late, do not. Yes, that is Drake's probably. I thought you were say oh, I mean, I've never album. heard the album. That is terrible. I've never no, heard no, the album no, with that future. Terrible. Future. It is. I've, I I've do heard... like the album with future. I, no, no, him... One or two Wait, songs. Wait, no, hear me out, guys. <laughs> hear me out. Hear me out. So I've never heard or acknowledged the existence of the album with future. So I have no opinion on it. Like, but so in the albums that I have heard, if reading is too late, yeah. is Drake's worst album. No. Or project. Are you including latest projects as well? So the one that he released called Dark demon or whatever it's called oh that's uh, that's another one i don't know what that is oh no it was it was the original name that you yeah oh see see i forgot because even that too i i don't know what that album is either (laughs) no no oh little richard little richard's in here here's his little i love this out i love this project um here's little richard's no that's the thing there are some new actually you know what nick let's let's let nick finish the introduction before we ramble on no 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 you could no 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 honestly guys you know (laughs) i'm not going through the top 500 for our listeners so we can can just continue from whatever albums we see when everyone's talking okay so i have some initial thoughts oh bob Bob one has two albums in there so um i have some thoughts about this because you know and obviously Rolling Stone is a publication, so like this obviously isn't the definitive list of the world. But obviously Rolling Stone is a very prestigious and respected yes, publication. And it's definitely referenced a lot. Mm-hmm. And even me who who likes to s- scrabble through Wikipedia at random hours of the night, I definitely will see an album I like or a random album I research in that list. So I'm like, oh, this must mean something. So I do think it's good that they're mm. updating it because to me, as you know, time progresses and as time moves on and as artists change and sounds emerge and trends arise you know we do need to keep kind of re-establishing what the canon of good music is just like because i feel like you know we do that in literature too you know the uh, the canon of music do, you know, the yeah. canon of film and canon of art so i do feel like it's good that they're updating it which is fine and i have seen that you know because for many years especially rolling stone you know the idea of what the best music was was just a bunch of white rock and roll art rock and roll eyes i think the original i think the original list only had like 12 people of color in the top 50 and i think like three women in the original list 17 years ago so from what i've seen that there's definitely more black people there's definitely more women i also i've appreciated and this is no surprise but obviously because it's me what i love and not just because it's R&B, but I'm actually loving that there's actually I've, there's a respect for R&B music in here because there's jazz in there, there's soul in there, there's funk in there. But I feel like, you know, critically, R&B is not seen as an art form like other genres that hasn't had impact or Shop influence. Pay. So to see 
albums like Aaliyah's One in a Million in here, Anita Baker's Rapture in here, Khalees Kaleidoscope. D'Angelo. Um, I, D'Angelo, well, D'Angelo was in the original list, but but to see that, see Usher yeah. Confessions in here, Usher, I'm like, yes, I'm like, come on, come on. I Wait. see Rhythm Nation by my girl Janet isn't here. But why is I'm Lemonade's Do- number 32? That's what so I that too. Ask. So let's get okay, into that. Okay, that's Thank what you. Thank you. Let's get into that. <laughs> what? So as we all know, you know, of the three of us, I am the I am I am Beehive, and Lemonade is not her best album. Thank you. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Her... But this is why the thing. is it number thirty two? Well, some, some of these selections are also because <laughs> make it make sense. So although Beyonce's our best album is not Lemonade by a long shot because it's not that title belongs to Four or Self Titled, which I'm happy is in that list too. Self Titled is in here somewhere, um, which is well deserved. Yeah, of course. But Lemonade, because of the cultural impact and just because of the the shitstorm it created in media and the world and like pop culture. It was such a moment, the rollout, the movie, the era itself. Child. You know what I mean? That's, and I think that's kind of also influenced some of the decision. I know well, what course, you mean, but let's you, get into Sonic. I think, <laughs> no. I think what, I'm, what I'm saying is that's also, other than Lemonade, no. that's inspired some of the other decisions in this list because it's not even necessarily about the album itself. Because yeah. even, you know, if you're going to yeah. keep it a buck, yeah. Keep it a buck. Marvin Gaye, I love you. I love you. But what's going on is not your best album. Sir, no, it is not. Your best album is I Want You or In My Lifetime or Let's Get It On or what's the other one? Hey, my dear. What's going on is not your best album, sir. I'm glad it's in the list because it's deserving. And once again, as I wrote in my, my two-part essay, you know, it is one of the most influential albums of all time. Probably. Like in the seventies, that was groundbreaking. For a Motown artist, that was a groundbreaking release. But before now, looking back across Marvin's catalog, it's not your best, of course. (laughs) And people who know Marvin Gaye's catalog will say the same thing: it's not his best album. Number nineteen, Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. That's my favorite Kendrick Kendrick album, so I can't really be too mad at that one. Oh lord, no, but nineteen. So so also that's one thing. So I'm happy to see that there's a respect for R and B here as an art form and its influence. I'm really happy to see that. My my main concern is Mm. why were artists and label heads um involved in the creation of this list? And also, why the fuck was Billie Eilish um called on for this? Who are you, young lady? Wait wait wait, Billy Billy Eilish. You don't know hip hop classics. Billy Eilish was one of the artists. Was one of the artists consulted for the creation of this list. The like, one that doesn't know music beyond her own. Yeah. And the, like, the contemporary era. Yes. Okay. okay. I was like, why is okay. Billie Eilish in here? And there are other artists in here, like Taylor Swift, um, some nigga from YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> And, and um no but to be honest Wu-Tang. to be honest i'm to be honest i'm a respect taylor swift she knows me no i no, no 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 i get that i appreciate that. so i appreciate that some veteran artists were called on but i feel like once again bias how are artists being called yeah. on to discuss best albums because obviously they're going to put their own in but also like their friends or what they think is a good no this should have just been rolling stone staff mm. it shouldn't like oh, i don't know why um, YouTube, Wu-Tang Clan, Gene Simmons, my girl Beyonce, she's in there too. I don't know why they were consulted for that. It should be the Rolling Stone staff. Mm. That's what it should be. No record label mm. executives, no radio people. And this is what we said last week about um, Eden. I was just how, about to say. Oh, you know, wait. The world of media is just becoming more and more and more and more Biased. usurped yep. <laughs> by the gatekeepers. Yep. So 
not to say, I said, so some there are some albums in here which I'm very happy to see. Some artists from here to see, but I was like, why the fuck is um artists being contributed to this? Yeah. But um, overall, I think there are some amazing albums in here. Um, I'm very confused at Harry Styles being in here. Um, Drake. Um, if reading is too late, being there, the weekend be behind the madness. Fuck no, that album does not deserve <laughs> to be anywhere. No flipping way, because if there's any weekend album that should be here, it should be trilogy. Because once again, that was a cultural defining. Mm. And as I've said many times before, The Weeknd, alongside a few others, is the father and he is the forefather of alternative R&B. So Trilogy should be in here. I hope it is. I don't think it is because if you're behind my list, that's probably, oh, when you got mainstream. Because yeah. the, the Weeknd should be in here. He what should. Position? should. What position? He's like 400 and something. No, what position should he be for Trilogy? Where would uh, you put I would put that's such a hard it's such question. a hard question, but I would put his five hundred. I would spot. put him somewhere in the middle because literally, like, the, the he literally changed the sound of R and B, and like now we have these other sub genres. Like, so even trap soul is like that is a a result. It's a successor of yeah the work of the of the weekend. Frank Ocean, yeah, um, Miguel, Janae Aiko, and so I would. And obviously, I would say the weekend is like he's like the ultimate father of that sub genre. Yeah, and um, so I would put him somewhere in the middle because. Even like the likes of her, they are, they are, you know, these are the musical children of what people like The Weeknd and Janet Aiko are doing. Yeah. But the reason I asked why was because I wanted to kind of ask, when, is, is there a period when it's too soon to say something is one of the best albums ever made? Like, how, well, long does an album, how long does an album need to sit before you can say it should be included in the top 500? That's another question. Because, because Harry Styles' trend- album came out last year. Last year. That's it. And that's bullshit. And Billy... I can't. Billie yeah, Eilish is in kinda, there, and I don't understand why. I kind of don't. I kind of don't. Again, this is where my mindset is changing. I kind of just don't agree with these things. I don't because I feel like, how do you measure that? How do you measure one project being better than another? Like, how, like, there's just a breadth of too many artists at this point, and I just think it's getting a bit. The the, the bias jumps out, mm. and obviously, Roland Rolling Stone has the bias. Like, even if it was like Shoppe said, just the editorial team, do I trust mm. them? Do I trust their voice to come up with just the fact? I don't. Not gonna lie, I don't. And the thing is, we act like these editors and stuff don't have personal biases, like and personal connections to artists now, labels now. They have dinners after this. They go to the Soho houses or whatever and like link up. So, of course, people are going to get in their ear and just be like, you know, like Snoop Dogg doggy style being at 340. Make it make sense. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Like all of this kind of like doggy style, his magnum. Like, I just I just don't trust all these platforms to like create a conducive list. Like, yes, they can touch all these different genres and put women and put black people at all. I still think some of it, a lot of it's performative actually, just like the Lemonade decision and Kendrick Lamar's and, Temple Butterfly and decision. I think Marvin was performative and, too because, so what's going on was originally number yeah. seven, but now they've- It's replaced- also a political album as well. Yes, that's true. Say, because it's a fairly political If album. I'm not mistaken, I think the original list, four of the top 10 were the Beatles. And as we all know, white media just bum suck, suck the dicks of the Beatles. <laughs> As we all know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I ask a question? There's no unbiased opinion. Quick question. There. Where was Drake's, um, if you're seeing this too late, what position was it? It was somewhere like 300 or something. Okay. Because Take Care is 95. Okay. So that's good. <laughs> like, because that was a much better. I was about to say, if it was in the like early 50s, Take... then 
take care over doggy style. Me- like, it just, ah, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> like, my mind is blown. My mind is blown. Like, there's no skips. Yeah. Doggy style, there's the no thing. skips. Even going back Nothing. to that. The interlude. Snoop Dogg. Well, Beyonce's album, Beyonce, is 81. That's fair, but still, like, Lemonade should be Lemonade. behind. Way behind. All right. like, if it was, so if all of the albums we were just talking about are actually in the top. 50 to 100 so blonde is 79 frank ocean um, um beyonce um what's channel orange in the list like let's can we go to can i go because uh, i love blonde but um eight, uh, what, what number was it blonde no 80 in no, the top 100, blonde is 79 uh, blonde is 79 and i love blonde, so, but no. uh wait hold on eden no channel orange isn't in the top oh one. oh okay <laughs> all right <laughs> Right, guys, this is this list is shit. Let's go. Like, I'm done. It's done. They don't know what they're talking about. I'm done. I don't trust. This is how I don't trust the wrong. They don't know. But this is the thing. Channel Orange is 148. Channel Orange is 148. Okay, at least it's in the. Oh, okay, okay, okay. At least it's in the okay. List. It's ahead of block. Okay. But this is the thing, like okay. that Nick said. It's like even if it was another publication, like I don't know, Pitchfork or the Fader, we'd be having the same issues and the same concerns. I just think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all these things Wait. are just so arbitrary now. Go on, Eden, quickly. Eminem, the Marshall Mathers LP, 145. That's a good album. <sighs> good album. And I that know people out album, there want to hate him <sighs> because he's white and like we're not, we, we don't like white rappers at the no, moment. No, Eminem's but... great. No, no, no. Em is, Eminem's Adele, great. 21, Eminem's 137. Great. Anyway, finish your point. Sorry. I know on. people like, oh, Eminem. Because I, I do see this on Twitter from black people that they act like Eminem was trash or that Eminem isn't a good artist. No, no. No, they say that his no. albums aren't good. Which is a lie. <laughs> That's also a lie. Oh, Mary J. Blige, My Life, 126. As she should be. As she should be. She should Higher. be in that list. Higher. I think what's the 411 is in there too, which I'm happy Kanye about. West Late Registration, 117. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great album. Isn't Kanye in the top, like top 50 as well? He's, I swear he's in the top 50. Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, 115. <sighs> like, this is a, this, like, I, this might be a very, very, very hard list to put together. And obviously, I agree with what Chopin's saying. Oh, Janet Jackson, Control, 111. Come on. Um, that's right. And like, I agree with what Chope is saying about the fact that all these labels and people that are in the industry are making decisions about who gets to be on the lists. Like it should be people who are who work for Rolling Stone rather than people who are going to have influence and bias and all of the above. So it is a form of censorship in a way when like artists can come on and say who has the best album ever made and like some albums Adam only came so- out last year. They haven't had the opportunity to and sit with us for at least two I have to years. Keep saying this and to Nick's point. You know, Taylor is a veteran. So, like, you know, I mean, I'm, I still don't think she should be involved. But, you know, at least she's been here. She, no, she's been she here for, like, she's been lens. here nearly 20 she's years definitely at this point. But Billie Eilish, sick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, it's not even the fact of her age. Because I'm not going to try. I'm not here to try and be, no. like, Gen Z hater or whatever. But my thing is, my thing is, hold on. On record, in interviews, she's let her ass out to dry. <laughs> she's put her ass out and said, I don't know, I don't know. Like, Ooh, okay. Erica Badu's mum is If you don't done, know, yeah. get out. Decline the call. Decline the so call. So top 200. Like, I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Is Go interesting. Um, Sade, Sade, say her name, um, please. Please. Sade, Sorry, Sade. Queen, please. Sade, Diamond Life. Um, Brilliant 200. album. Um, I saw Michael Jackson bad somewhere. 194. Uh, Etta James at last, Ooh, 191. Wonderful choice. wonderful choice. Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted, 187. That's a good album. Should be higher. Um, Should be higher. What else is there? I think I saw Oof. Joe. No, Brown Sugar, D'Angelo, 183. Uh, it's not Ooh. like it's not a terrible list, but there are some people Port that should head. be moved Dummy. around. Dr. Dre, The Chronic. 
138 what's that like oh, i don't know i'm i'm kind of over it like with the lists i did like I didn't really <laughs> kendrick lamar it. damn 175 no fuck no <laughs> <laughs> oh this list i think they're doing it by like what came out and the responses on the internet wait and everything. wait is every kendrick album in this list uh th- we've Just seen what? three so far i'm sorry damn should not be in this list <laughs> like our good kid and pimp a butterfly Yes, put it in the list. But damn, no. Good album, but no. Mama's Gun, 158. Jay-Z Black be. Album, 150. Like, there, there, there are gems in here. There are gems. So, yeah. But but Harry Styles. Also, Maxwell was really low, which I was surprised about. He was like 400 and something. Like, um, Black Summer's Night. I was really surprised about that. I think he should be much higher than that. And also, he should have more than one album in this list. That shouldn't be his only album. Well, there's list. no way to actually tell like because it's such an extensive list there's no way to actually tell well I've, I'm, I'm 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 scrolling through now i'm i haven't seen another maxwell album since yeah because urban hangs we should be 100 and once again if we're looking if we're looking at once again once again if we're looking at actual albums that actually twisted the needle Embryo should mm. be in there because as i just said about the weekend being the father of alternative r&b maxwell's Embryo is like a precursor to that sound. They're saying so that should be so in Billie there. Eilish or Eilish or whatever. When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Is three hundred ninety-seven, yeah. But Maxwell is in the four hundreds. This is what I'm saying. It's bullshit. Like, <laughs> like, it's bullshit. how does that make any sense? What? Mariah Carey, The Emancipation of Mimi, is three hundred eighty-nine. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, and if I'm. And I think that's only one of two albums that she has in there, which is... This doesn't make any sense, but I can understand that making this list would be very, very hard because you've got to make it like space for all of the genres. Do you know why it was hard? Because Bill Eilish was on the <laughs> list. That's why. I wonder how it worked. Did they come to I, her I, with like a list and say, what are your suggestions? And then she put them on there. Like, how did that work? I, I think all the artists and label people, they chose their own top 50 and those were filtered through this final list so beyonce chose top 50 billy Eilish, gene simmons they chose their own fit their own top 50 and that mm. impacted this list but once again billy Eilish, please please who are you i kind of just don't see the need for a list like this personally mm. like i don't see the and need. to be fair like the structure of it i just don't see mm. it like don't get it do you know what personally. i want i want i want a black publication to do their own list yeah it might be embarrassing i can't lie Oh, not the room. <laughs> it might be a bit. It depends who they ask. Like, yeah, I'll be intrigued to see what they say. I don't want to see the Beatles on it though. No, no, no. I want this to be a different of a black album. That's what I mean. Yeah, it kind of goes back to our conversation though when we were speaking to Stefan last week about, um, like, is there any need for like um, awards anymore? Like, do artists need to receive like these types of accolades where you've got best album um, of like top five hundred albums of all time? like getting a Grammy, all of these things, are they still necessary to this generation? Like, what do you guys think? Mm. I think they I are, like Gen, but they're dying out. I feel like Gen Z will change the relationship that we have with like musical awarding bodies and these lists, listicle kind of things. I, I think, yeah, I kind of, again, awards, like I'm kind of over mm. it personally. Mm. Um, and lists, when I saw this, I didn't look at it. Like I saw all the debate on Twitter. I was like, it's Rolling Stone's opinion, like, okay, like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
again, like, I can't And see, even the, another thing. Like, I can't have the energy, another, like, because I have my personal things, and that's I, it. Like, well, not I've that. Just, I've yeah, just seen know. Prince Purple Rain is number eight, and yeah. that's the, the highest Prince album. That is not Prince's best album. He, he does have, like, three or four albums in this list, though, to be fair. That is, and as you should, but Purple Rain is not his best album. I think they're doing it probably on, <laughs> on popularity, though, probably more so than music. Like, on musicality. I imagine it's probably not the best album, but it's the one that everyone knows and relates Couple. to Prince. Culturally, like, got through, yeah. like, and, like... Well, there's so many albums. And that's probably why Lemonade is but, there like, as in well. in terms of that. Yes. Like, that's, that's probably yes. why that's yeah. there as well. Good point, Eden. Beyonce's Lemonade is her equivalent to Marvin's What's Going On. It's her most culturally impactful, relevant, even if it's not her best work. And same with Prince of Purple Rain. It's the same thing. What would you say that was for Kendrick? Yeah. Just so we can end on this point, because To Pimp a Butterfly is the highest one, and I don't, I don't think when I think of Kendrick Lamar, I don't think of To Pimp a Butterfly. That's not what comes to mind. Well, look at look at the look at what it done in the industry, didn't it? Win the Pulitzer. Pulitzer. True, what, true, 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 true. But didn't it? Like he got his critical but, acclaim. But with that album, I like, do feel properly. though, I don't feel like it shifted culture like Good Kid did. Yeah, that's my yeah. So even though I would, so even really? though, so really, I would say. Pippa Butterfly is my favorite Kendrick album. It is it is, but I do feel that in terms of like actual, uh, how can I put it? Like waves. I don't really feel like I saw a direct change in the landscape after that. I feel like it just lived in its own world as it should, but I don't feel like. Although mm, maybe I guess I guess what did Good Kid change? What did I think Good Kid got him more mainstream attention, but I don't think it actually changed anything. Like, I well, I guess I guess you're anything. right. I do think I guess maybe song. I guess All Right is like the unofficial Black Lives Matter song. So mm. I guess, oh yeah, yeah, I guess you know mm. the album coming out at the the peaks of the original Black Lives Matter um, movement. I guess it kind of gives it some weight and some levity in 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 that regard. But I don't know. I just feel like Good Kid. I feel like. Even now when we discuss it, I feel like, even though it's not my favourite, I feel like that's the album everyone talks about. Good kid. Mm. That was that was his that was his coming out party. That was him mainstream. That was when he became everything he is today. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But I don't see it culturally changing anything musically. Like there's nothing from that album that I can be like wow like people did that after kendrick or wow like you know what i mean like a lemonade you've got the argument completely agree and get what you mean with the lemonade moment with beyonce that's why it's there um and that's why it will be revered in those spaces for changing pop landscapes in certain in certain things the hbo rollout all, all of that you know it was huge but with it, it, for me, it's Kendrick's moment in the spotlight. The lights went on at that moment, beyond cult following, beyond Kendrick's going to be the next one. It was actually like, he's here now. But in terms of actual, I can't think well, of anything. Well, I would say in terms of conceptual, like a conceptual piece of work, it's one of the only pieces of like music that I've heard from our generation where people are like discussing kind of the themes of the project. Like the concept became so important to that album. Um and I, I felt like that was something that people picked up on. And then later on, we saw a lot, a lot more people feel more comfortable doing that. I don't know if I wouldn't say necessarily Kendrick inspired that because there are loads mm. of different artists who have created conceptual albums before. But in terms of when this came out in 2012 and the whole like theme of like Kendrick's life and this girl called Shireen and everything that's going on and kind of like the musicality of it when certain notes mean certain things are happening in the story and everything. 
I didn't really see that in that time in 2012. I didn't really see other artists doing that. Um, and I feel like To Pimp a Butterfly was the next level to that. Um, so I feel like it kind of propelled him, like artist-wise. It made him more creative. But I, I understand both of your points as well. Like, they, yeah, I understand both. I have points. one last thing because I think we have to move on now. Mm. But so Lauren Hill's Miseducation mm -hmm. is number ten, and it number is 10. effectively yeah. the highest ranking hip hop album on here. So what are both your thoughts on that? Because obviously it's a classic album, as we all know. Incredible album. I love it to death. But, and this is something I've been noticing mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why it's classified in the first instance as a hip hop album. I understand Lauren is a rapper and she's rapping on the album, but mm. it's, uh, she's singing on most of the, it's she's singing more than rapping. I think it's more like, I don't know how to say this, but it's more hip hop in terms of um, views. Um, it's it was like a feminist type of like piece of music it was revolutionary in its approach to hip-hop um so though it did have like was it yeah it was it was like feminism had been in hip-hop before lauren hill pardon me we had seen feminism in hip-hop way before lauren hill no i'm not saying she's the pinnacle for it i'm not saying that but in terms of what it was and the music and the things she spoke about it for what it was it was a very feminist piece and it was revolutionary amongst the artists that were coming out in that time. I'm not saying she was the first one necessarily to do it, but she was speaking a lot on like um, Eurocentric standards. She was talking about beauty, all of the all of the like. Um, I know what you mean about the singing over the rapping thing, because like X Factor and stuff like that. X Factor is probably one of the most well known songs from that album, and the majority of it is singing. Like, I I, I can't remember if there is any. She, rap she's singing in that song, actually, and then even like uh actually yeah. okay, let me look at the track listing here okay she does rap okay she does she does she raps on a lot of songs on be that. real let's be real it is hip-hop meets neo soul yeah. let's be yeah. real that's what it is so regardless of what whatever way it leans it is hip-hop meets neo soul and you're right shopee there is a lot more singing than there is rapping but there's rapping mm. there so and she is a rapper like as well so i think you know not young miami <laughs> <laughs> don't know why I put that in there <laughs> like you actually I'm didn't sorry, have to that's the because funny thing we didn't discuss like, the Chloe and Halle remix of Do It and Young Miami she should be banished from the music industry Young Miami okay let's not we're not Young let's Miami not, let's not, should let's be not. banished anyway. from all studios across the nation across the world Anyways, young anyways, Miami needs to just simply give us a reality music. show and be done with it. <laughs> I like JT. No, I like the I like City Girl sound, and I like what they're she doing. She has rhythm. She has cadence. Okay, cool. Anyways, can can we stop the terrible point? Lauren Hill had an album, Miss <laughs> the Miss Education. Oh, I hate you guys so much. I can't. Anyway, it is hip-hop meets neo-soul so whatever side of the the spectrum it leans on for whatever agenda that people have um it's 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 two parts it is two parts and i i see it as both i get what you mean shoppe though like in terms of that there is an argument to be made um but you know she's a part of the hip-hop industry um and often revered as a part of that community so i think that's it was first and foremost she was in hip-hop and then experimented with her sound with this project that's what I, I would say um but as for your wider point for this being the highest hip-hop ranking album on this rolling stones list um what i am gonna say is as amazing quintessential classic 
changing of the times album as this was what it is is a prime example of that one artist that gets propped up to a higher like this album has a so much of a, a push towards it that in some cases i believe that people don't see past the shining lights of it almost they kind of don't it kind of gets an extra oomph upwards just because of the amount of buzz and attention that Lauren has come to have for this album. Um, I agree. And I think I there agree. are better projects. There are better projects out there. Um, Lauren, it's an amazing project. No one's saying it's not, you know, it's, if I was to give it a score out of 100, at least 85, at least, you know, in terms of what it did. But in terms of albums, there are better albums from men and women. Um that in my opinion subjectively you know um exceed this album you know the miseducation of lauren hill is great for what it did and generations Definitely. generations Definitely. it's actually transcended generations now you know gen z's gen z's know that out some gen z's know that album you know what i mean so lauren hill has a legacy with that project but you know like there are there are people who know hip-hop even ice cubes project like what eden said earlier like that that project is for me even like in a different way like obviously it's not serious or political or anything but like i always go to doggy style nazis illmatic mm -hmm. like there's there's projects for me that are better mm -hmm. i'm sorry that like my in my personal opinion little kim's hardcore like i'm thinking of like foxy foxy brown it's foxy brown oh yeah it's little kim in the list i don't even know chart like i haven't seen i didn't see anything but um, and that's a damn shame, like with what she's done for hip hop. But in terms of is Missy Elliott hardcore, in the list? Actually, hardcore should be in the list. Yeah, she. Yeah, she yeah, is. I saw her name. I think. Okay. I think two. Anyway, of we're gonna go through all five hundred. So I think we should move on to the next topic. Yeah, but um, Lauren Hill. There are better albums or albums that stand on par. Should I say with that album and like eleven for that album? I I don't think it should be top one hundred. Number 50, ten actually. Even. Yeah, but Number eleven. 10. Don't know don't know if i would put it there or 10 sorry wouldn't top 10 so i don't know i don't know if it would make my top 10 not gonna lie but um still huge huge project and the way she merged it pop and neo soul even though it's been done in similar ways before i next to none next to none in terms of how she did that and i love her for that I do, and I always will for for what she did on that album. It, it's so cathartic. I remember being a kid and somehow relating to the concepts on the album, just feeling away. So, you know, great album. But let's move on. Um, I kind of don't even want to talk about this because it's protect Megan. But um, yeah, he came back. Tory Lanez uh, with a project. I'm not going to give you the name because I just can't be bothered. You can Google it and find it. But um yes he came back on friday after a tweet saying that he would be back and clearing his side of the story up um yeah so this this album came out yesterday um i kind of just don't even want to talk about this like i actually don't care for the for the topic but i guess because it's on our news junket i kind of have to but for me personally this will probably be my last time talking about tory lane's um on the podcast uh and at large to be honest um but he said i didn't do it meaning he didn't shoot megan on some of the songs um 
How the F you got shot in your foot, don't hit no bones or tendons. He also accused Megan the Stallion's people of trying to frame him for the shooting. Um I'm kinda over it. Like to be honest, like you can hear me in the tone. Um Yeah, like he released the album. He released the album, guys, on Friday. Like I'm I'm reading this post, I just don't want to really go through it like unless anyone else has any other points to add i have quite a few i'm kind of done i'm kind of i'm i'm kind of yeah like i just there's nothing Um, to really say like i'm i'm sure eden's gonna go in and speak for all of us but i just uh all i want to say is uh i forgot i was gonna say (laughs) um should i go just yeah (laughs) okay so first and foremost I think this album by Tory Lanez was him realizing this is the last time. Like, I genuinely think he thinks this is the last time that anyone's gonna give him a chance with his music. I actually think he rushed this album out so that people would listen to it. He'll get his number one. He's independent now. He'll get most of the money from it and maybe disappear for a bit. And then potentially in 10 years, maybe five years, maybe even less than that time, come back and do another album. And then people will be like, oh, he's back. Maybe he's changed. Or like we said, there'll be a change in the uniform and outfit. Like when we're speaking about Meek Mill, maybe he'll come back and be more conscious and talk about loads of things and try to rebrand and stuff like that. Um, Here's the thing. If you're going to do something, yeah, do it with your chest, please. Like, if you're saying you want to listen to Tory Lanez's album to hear his side of the story when Rap Genius is right there, I just don't understand your logic. Because really and truly, if you wanted to search and hear his side of the argument, wouldn't it be better to have it down somewhere you could read and analyze and compare rather than listen to the old album and and tweet on Twitter, oh, this album was amazing, this album's great, oh, um, Tory's cold Tory's this Tory's that like I actually I actually stopped listening to Tory, Tory Lanes before this happened um, because I heard him use like the F word like um, the derogatory F word in one of his songs and I was just like wait why is he doing this like why is no one talking about this um, and even like just in general I'm seeing people on Twitter talk about how it's important we listen to both sides of the story there is video evidence of the fact that Megan Thee Stallion was shot in the foot twice. There is no argument or rational um, explanation as to why she deserved to be shot in the foot. There's, there's no argument whatsoever. And the fact that people are automatically coming here and saying we need to hear his side of the story and all of these types of things. I get it. I understand the idea that we need to hear both sides in order to understand which side we're going to go with. But when it comes to something like this where someone has been shot twice in the foot and the first thing he says when he actually speaks is i was drunk then really and truly it's nothing else that needs to be said um and i think it's a it's a massive shame because yet again black men i'm sorry we've let black women down like we just sat here and a lot of the people that i did see speaking about this album were black men and it's it's very sad to like speak about um it actually makes me very very upset because I just feel like there's a lot more. Like, obviously, no one is perfect in this life. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to do things. But shooting someone in both of their feet is not a mistake. Whether you're drunk or not, why would you do that? Like, what is your reason behind harming someone like that? And also, I'm sorry, but Tory Lanez, how dare you release this after what happened with Breonna Taylor? How dare you? Literally, a few days after 
a black woman is murdered by the police and um she doesn't get a fair trial she doesn't get justice the way that she's supposed to the three officers who killed her in her sleep didn't get indicted you come out of an album basically talking about a very traumatic situation and then go on live and all of these things around that period like i don't understand the thinking i don't know if you have a pr team anymore or anything but why would you come and do this now when our community or like the black american community is really hurting right now and i just think there needs to be more thought into this but also i just hope megan's okay like all of this explanation about we should listen to the album we should give him a chance to explain himself i'm all for listening to people like i'm all for listening to people and hearing what they have to say and doesn't mean i necessarily agree with them doesn't mean that i disagree with them but at least hearing what they have to say but come have sense have sense in some situations where you can just say i don't need to hear this like it's fine to maybe come back and read the lyrics online where he doesn't make money from it and then make your decision and then maybe listen to it and give him money why does it have to be in the moment why do you need to be part of the trend of people who are listening to it so i don't know all of this megan Thee stallion came out and spoke about how she was shot in both the feet and people calling her a snitch like can we actually deep that for a second a woman came out and said that a man i don't know if it was in a relationship if it was a friendship whatever she came out and said i didn't want to speak about it because there were police here and all of the above i didn't want like i was scared as a black woman shot in the foot and then people were like megan the stallion raps about all of these things and yet she's a snitch because she came out and spoke about how it hurt her now to me as someone who cares deeply about my community and that does include black women because i know a lot of you kind of prioritize black men at the front of that it hurts very deeply to see that black men want to just ignore someone's pain like this um very specifically in support of what you think is the truth and automatically i was seeing and this will be my last point because i'll go off on a tangent and just go off for ages it was like you guys just wanted to hear his voice you didn't even give the album literally the album came out and then i woke up at 9 a.m and i saw people from the uk talking about how oh there's both sides to the story i've heard tory's side all of these types of things there are wounds on megan the stallion there is a video of megan the stallion what else do you what what else do people need like and it's just very frustrating for me to sit, say so um i think from everyone at dats i know someone else might have something to say afterwards but everyone at don't like the stands we are absolutely with megan um it's r.i.p to brianna taylor always and it hurts to even be saying them both in the same sentence really um because it's been a very traumatic week for black women and I know we didn't have a black um, woman speaking on today's episode or anything, and I'm not trying to speak for you guys, but I am very, very sorry that as black men, we don't support you more. And I sincerely hope that we we try to um, and keep letting us know how to, or at least let us, like, we should at least be trying to figure out how to, because when things like this happen, we all suffer. And I don't know how many times we need to say that. I don't know how many times we need to say that when a black woman is hurt, and black men look at look elsewhere they look elsewhere and they look at themselves and say okay she's hurt but i'm okay it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that everyone in our community whether they're black whether their their sexuality is whatever whether their gender is whatever like 
it doesn't where we're a community we have to look after each other but i don't know some people don't see it like that and i don't don't understand what i've never been able to understand why and this situation just no let's really be frustrated real me. let's be real the whole majority think like that let's be very real let's be real in saying that brianna taylor was used as a meme she's still being used for sales she's still being used for press conferences she's still being used for conventions she's being used for everything let's be real and that was from day one she's being used for engagement um, let's be real in number two with saying that women should not have to explain, black women specifically should not have to explain how to look after them because the answers are out there. The answers are in literature. The answers are in media. They've said this for years. There's, there's countless amounts of women, including Angela Davis, who have spoken about how to look at black women. And there's not even one way that we shouldn't even look at them as a box. Like there's, there's a multitude of ways to deal with black women and to not even deal with them, to talk to black women, to engage, to protect black women. Um, even someone I know, Simi Moonlight, like her statement, her brand has been stolen online. Like people just taking her quotes and with not tagging her, not giving her the correct engagement and stuff like that. Women in hip hop, let's look at Little Kim, let's look at Biggie, what he did to her. No one really talks about that. No one really talks about the respect and like the, the surgery and her wounds, her surgical wounds, which she goes to to this day is because of misogynoir and anti-blackness. Okay, like that is what's going on. And with Megan, this isn't surprising black women aren't respected like wasn't russell simmons just invited on title uh, a platform on a show on title to talk about the in the black Lives black lives matter and black lives issues um going on in our community that's not protection that's complacency aren't there still older generation and communities that still advocate for r kelly to be played at barbecues that's not support that's not protecting black women at all um a lot of black men haven't watched for the record which is a documentary which details what's going on in the music business with black women specifically at the front didn't see that get a lot of engagement besides black women again black women always have to carry the brunt of what is going on in the world and we don't do enough to support them and that is not shocking to me that is the norm we are the minority speaking on this right now we are in the few thousands probably who support the stance of Megan Thee Stallion and let's not forget the misogynoir and misogyny that Megan Thee Stallion has faced even before this incident she was told she twerked too much she was told she was too ratchet she was told she was too southern she was told that she was too black to get into this industry black men were saying she's owning her sexuality too much she's doing this she's Megan rendered... Thee Stallion has had it from day one Cardi B has had it from day one mm. Nicki Minaj has had it from day one little kim foxy brown all of these women missy elliott missy elliott even like um all of these women who try mm. lauren hill like even the way we talk about lauren hill as well like there there are so many different instances of and now women. chica as well chica like azalea banks or look at azalea banks on the, her deathbed like literally a couple of weeks ago and for the industry to like look in and and see what's going on and she's got her own issues there, there are people not giving her hugs and like giving her the support that she needs do you know what i mean and like with black, black women are always seen last mm. they are always seen as one of the last on the on the pile of and i i just i'm tired of actually talking of not talking about it but i'm tired of having to talk about it because it's an issue if that makes sense and it's it's just it's disappointing for black men but it's not surprising you know my my community is disgusting to be mm. honest with you black men listening is we're disgusting that's it like point blank period there's no way to put it there's no oh my god but i'm the only black man there's i'm nicholas and i'm the only black man being nice there's no good 
good guy. You know, we have mm-hmm. issues as a community. There's no mm-hmm. good guy. There's no bad guy. Fuck it. We are all shit. Okay. We are all shit and mm-hmm. we have things mm-hmm. to work on and we have things and we are complicit. Mm-hmm. We are fucking complicit. We are all complicit in this shit because we don't beat enough. We don't beat enough black men up for the shit that they do. We don't spit on enough black men for the shit that we do. We don't tell them off enough for the shit that we do. And yes, and just... some of us are doing the work, but we aren't doing enough. Mm-hmm. We aren't doing enough. And that that's just where we are. And I'm not doing enough. That's it. Even me. I'm not, I'm not, again, whenever I speak about the betterment of our society, I'm not talking as if I'm already mm-hmm. doing it. I'm talking as someone who's a part of the problem as well. And I will always acknowledge mm-hmm. that. I will always acknowledge that. That is why if you see my socials, if you see what I do, I always try to uplift black women before myself, whether it's an article, whether it's an opportunity, whether it's a, a piece of information, they inspire every single thing that I fucking do. Okay. They inspire every single thing that I do. And that is my starting point at trying to heal the wounds that I, that I've clearly been a part of in this whole problem. Um, but there's more, there's more to be done. And there's always more to be done because until black women feel comfortable, safe, heard, validated um believed um independent in terms of independent to do what they want without the without the fear freedom liberation um we haven't done the work that's it that's it and um we can't say black lives matter if they're not included you know look at look at even basayo yeah basayo twins you guys need to follow her on instagram she had to put a whole story up saying not enough black men were talking about the Breonna Taylor verdict because oh it's too soft to put on my story oh it's too this to do like get a fucking grip mm. a black woman has not got justice and you know it's not moist your, your boys aren't gonna say why are you putting it on your story and all this kind of stuff get a fucking mm. grip yeah a, one injustice for all of us is an injustice for the whole community whether it's a black woman a trans woman what whatever like it's it's literally all the same yeah. a loss for yeah. us well and, this this is this is part of the problem and it's also tied into the whole thing with megan because i don't think something that we've really spoken about here is the way women like megan the stallion um they are masculinized and defeminized Mm. especially as black women who are very strong she's very tall she she can be seen in some ways as less feminine or aggressive you know she's a very bold character and i think and it kind of is similar to what serena williams gets i think because they look at her because she's not small and petite and prim and proper it is it is i don't know i can't think of someone right now i don't know you know who i mean just some but it comes shoppe it comes from just not to to travel from your point but angela davis writes about this it comes from the slavery image of the black woman because they were working on the field and stuff like that whenever they went back into white communities and stuff they were seen as strong brute men man like oh my god they can take the load they can do all of it that's where it comes from and the association with black women and what the problem with what the problem of that is it allows for the justification and the contribution of violence towards them because it kind of makes it look like, oh, they can handle it or they have the same emotional, physical willpower as their male counterparts. Yep. And that is definitely something that I feel is not discussed enough as Megan thing because I feel like I need an example, but I don't want to say a white girl, but I'm trying to think of a black female artist who is... Okay, so let's say Summer Walker, just for example. I bet if it was her, actually, no... You know what? I hope you guys know what I mean. So someone who, I guess, is more... Who's more who's more physically, I guess, vulnerable. Who appears to be more physically vulnerable. There would be a difference in the way this is being received. Do you, do you mean petite? Yeah. There would be... Well, even just... Even if it's so petite, but just even the way they... um Their public image. Because Megan's like, Megan's mm. a savage. And, oh, fuck these niggas. And 
She's a yeah. stallion. Her name. She's a stallion. So, like that has associations with so it. So that has definitely been a massive, massive part of this. Of course, we already know if it was a white girl, it'd be much different. But the fact that Megan is seen as, in some spaces as being a masculine black woman, that also has heavily, heavily it contributed to the way that this case has been received and the way people have responded to her because they think like, oh, Megan can be his ass up. Isn't she taller than him? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. She was she was short. And just, bec- and just she because she may be so tall feet. and <laughs> her big, big or whatever, it doesn't mean that she doesn't have feelings. She's still a person. Yeah. So I just want to, I just want to add that, that that's my little nugget. I feel like that's something that we need to talk more about, especially as people who are doing their threads and shit. The masculinization, defeminization of Megan Stallion has heavily, heavily and significantly contributed to the way people are looking at this, this whole scenario. Yeah. And I just want to finish my point by saying that yeah. Tori is incredibly selfish and self-centered. And this passive aggressive album you've put out, because I haven't heard the album either, but I've read some lyrics and articles and I was just like, you really made a diss album to yeah. this woman that you shot. And then as for you not doing it, didn't you text her and didn't the screenshot leak like two weeks ago? Did, mm. So there's also that too. But um, I just yeah. wanted to make that point about the racialization of black women. Yeah. That's all I want to yeah. say. Can I just say as well, can I say stream fever, stream sugar, stream Tina Snow, stream all of that shit, stream women in rap, stream every black woman in rap that you feel and fuck with. Like, uh, there's so many different rappers that I always shout out, like, stream all of them, like, um, and not just today, not just tomorrow, like, accept women as a part of hip hop because they've always always have been. Um, and just protect Megan if you care yeah. about your community. Protect Megan um, and do better as a black man, man. Do the reading. Angela Davis, there's a whole list of resources. Like, this, if this isn't a world when, like, we have no resources. Like, there's books on toxic masculinity. There's books, and I even hate that term, but you know what I mean. There's books about, you know, black men and their complacency and this whole complex of intersectionality. And there's, there's, there's books google is like it's one google away you can get amazon neck prime delivery tomorrow and start reading like it's not hard you know um and even free free sources as well just in case that's an argument that people free yeah there's pdfs there's pdfs google google docs pdf you could search some books with that and then it comes up with that yeah just even even um what's that what's that um JSTOR. JSTOR is still doing 100 free articles or whatever until December. So please, yeah. like, get your reading on. This isn't a joke. Like, we need to we need to awaken ourselves before, you know, we step into this because you're just going to have your bias and your supremacy above yeah. them going into it too. So I don't know, man. Just open your minds, man, because it's disgraceful at this point, man. I'm tired. I'm yeah. tired. Okay. So what I want us to do, just let, let us take a breath just quickly because that was a very intense, <laughs> very, very, very intense and for the right reason, but um, it was very intense. And like I said before, all of our thoughts are with black women in particular um, during this time. And um, it is hard, like even even as three black men, like I feel like I'm even questioning the best way to kind of speak on this without trying to take away from black women. So I do think it's important that um, if you do feel a certain type of way and we missed out on it, please just send us a tweet at Dats Pod. Um, we'll listen. We, we, don't, we won't even respond or anything, but we're always open to learning. I think what Nick has said, one of the things that Nick has said is that's really important is we're all learning here. Like no one is coming from the perspective of being someone who knows everything. Um, I don't think any of us will ever admit we know mm-hmm. everything 
at all. Um, and no. also, I just wanted to clarify, <laughs> I wasn't saying that um, black women need to teach us anything. Like, I wasn't coming from that angle. I mean, it was more so that black men have a lot to learn. So not necessarily you need to come and teach us. Um, but yeah, like I'm saying, um, it's a very intense topic. And I feel like we haven't really like gone there's a lot more that could be said let's say that there's a lot more that could be said um in frustration in sadness in anger in mourning of um brianna taylor and kind of um respect for um megan megan the stallion after tory lanes went number one on itunes as a result of you guys listening and trying to listen to his argument um but yeah if this episode has been good guys let us know um and obviously, if there are some topics you think you want more kind of in-depth conversations about, let us know as well. But yeah, I'm sweating from this conversation, guys. <laughs> Literally, I'm sweating right can now. Can I just say, can I say one thing? Yeah, yeah. Can I Do say thing, one man. thing? I said it before, like two weeks ago. Um, tweeting um, or just posting a story isn't enough. Just tweet and protect black women isn't enough. Yeah. It's not. And I've, I've spoken about this two episodes, so you can go back. I'm not going to explain because yeah but it's it's not enough even though i've tweeted it before but it, it's it's really not enough it's not it's not so yeah don't feel like you've done a good deed if you've just tweeted that because yeah. it's, it's not enough promise yeah it's not cool all right so that is today's episode so we've covered a lot of a lot of um different areas today um and some of it's been funny some of it's been fairly serious but um we are don't let the stands you can find us on all streaming platforms you can find us on all social medias as well um, please remember to like and subscribe to whatever podcast platform you're currently listening to the podcast on as well. Individually, it is Eads McKenzie, IMN Tyrell, Shope Showerton. Um, and we just want to say, Brianna Taylor, we're so sorry for what happened. Um, like, I have no words. I don't want to make it into a meme or anything. But honestly, I was heartbroken at what happened. Um and yeah, cool. Unfortunately, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised either, but I was heartbroken. And that's kind of sad, like expecting to be heartbroken. Um, but I'm sending nothing but uh, strength mm. and well wishes and peace to her family and friends who knew her personally. Yeah, exactly. Cool. We'll end it there, guys. We'll catch you next week. You've, the, yeah, you've been listening to Don't Let The Stands. Cool. Peace. <laughs>